you. So today we're going to go to John chapter 10, verse 28 and 29. What book did I say? Come on. <laughs> John chapter 10, we're going to verse 28 and 29. One of my favorite passages of scripture. And I am just stoked to be able to dive into it with you on today. Here we go. John 10, 28, 29, then we will pray. Bible says, my sheep, somebody say my sheep, come on. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. Somebody say eternal life. In fact, somebody go ahead in the chat and put eternal life. Come on, eternal life. And they will never perish. And I'm emphasizing these things because these are the things I want you uh, to take note of. Never perish never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand come on somebody say no one no one nobody will snatch them out of my hand uh you know i just think of the bad boy commercial uh where he says nobody <laughs> how many of you remember that bad boy commercial i'm not gonna sing the jingle but you know where i'm going with that and then verse 29 my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand man i love this passage uh let's go ahead and pray and we're gonna dive right in on today god i'm so honored for the opportunity to be able to share your word even as we dive into part two of say grace i pray holy spirit that you would use me where i'm at here in my living room and that you would touch god those who are watching wherever they are watching from all around the world let it be impactful let their ears be open let their hearts be open let their lives be transformed and wherever your gospel is being preached don't just bless us here at serve city but bless everyone everywhere that is preaching your gospel is hearing your gospel and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in jesus name let everybody say amen come on somebody in the chat i want you to go ahead and put say grace say grace say grace come on you don't have a labor to look at today uh, but go ahead and just type it in the chat type it to your online neighborhood <laughs> go ahead and put say grace say grace listen uh you know one of the the biggest things in my scholastic journey growing up being um in school you know i i know you'll you'll see where i'm going here in a moment is you know when you type a paper and maybe you've been here maybe some of y'all are here right now because i know we have a number of students who are a part of our church family and it's just insane when you type a paper and suddenly out of nowhere the computer shuts down. Has anybody ever, you know, had some words come out your mouth? <laughs> or have you ever thrown a device? Come on, if I have a witness. Have you ever, like, got upset? Have you ever just lost it or just straight out bawled and cried because your computer died or it turned off you know those ones where the the you know the charger is like right next to you you know exactly what i'm talking about the charger is right next to you you know that it said last time you checked it was like at five percent especially if you have an apple device you know what i'm talking about it was saying five percent and you're like oh it's all good i'm gonna finish what i'm trying to do uh before then and then suddenly it goes <laughs> oh man Oh, that, 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 that's a, that's a pretty scary place to be in, you know? Uh, but the thing is that once the device turns back on, once you're able to turn it on, you know, that's really the determining factor because a lot of times you go back and you try to turn it on and you find out in many cases that the thing you were working on, especially it might not be a word document or something like that. But if you're, you know, a, a digme person, a digital multimedia individual you work with like Photoshop or any of that type of stuff, man, it is a toss up fam. Like it is the worst thing on earth to jump back on there and to realize that because, you know, not everything has autosave to realize that you did not save, you did not click save on your device, that you did not save the document, that you did not, I mean, but when you go on there, and I've been here before, you know, because 
it, I've lost all sorts of stuff because I didn't plug in the device or because I didn't save. But it is incredible when you pop on there and you have assurance, even though the computer turned off, that when you go to that recent folder, you're not going to see it empty. You're not going to see everything that's there except your document. But because you press save, come on, somebody, because you pressed save, you know and you have confidence that when you go there, you're going to see your document in that recent list. And I'm telling you, oh, the joy that is there to know that after that you work on that paper for three days that it's not gone after you you know designed and you put all that in there and all of that that it is you're able to recover it you know once the computer is back on you know what does this have to do with anything i am absolutely uh blessed by this topic say grace and last sunday we started by talking about i, I shared a message called we got receipts if you missed that you need to go back i gave a snapshot around the idea of saving grace and what it really is what grace actually is you know ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 we shared says for by grace are you saved through faith somebody say by grace and he says that it's not of works, right? So it has works have nothing to do with it, but it's the gift of God. Somebody say the gift of God. I hear you right there in your living room. Come on, we a talk back church, even when we're online, right? Uh, so, you know, it's the gift of God. And I told you that God gives gift receipts, right? As it pertains to grace and grace we define as the free and unmerited uh, favor of God. That's kind of the, the, the working definition or the definition that's usually there. However, we broke it down a little bit further and we said it's the undeserved work of God on our behalf. So grace, grace is when God does something for us or through us. God does something for us or through us that we don't deserve. Right. And anybody, I mean, right there, right in your living room, you ought to just go ahead and put those hands together with me and just give God praise. Come on for his grace. God, I thank you. I thank you that you do stuff for me that I do not deserve. And so even breaking it further, because I told you the thing is that grace is something that's multifaceted and I am excited. Listen, I got a treat for you on next Sunday uh, and a treat for you on the Sunday after that that you do not want to miss. Uh, but grace is multifaceted. I told you like a Swiss Army knife, right? Just it's it's one gift that God gives us. It's a gift that God gives us and it's one that has has uh, many um, manifestations or many facets to it. And, you know, so we begun to talk about saving grace, the one that we sing about, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like us, the saving grace of God that we celebrated through Holy Week, the grace of God, the work of God on our behalf to save us from sin, death, and hell. Oh my, it's a lot of praise breaks in here. We just getting started, but I'm just so grateful that God has saved us. He has paid the payment. He's done the work on our behalf. Even though we deserve death, even though we deserve hell, even though we deserve the wrath of God, you know, from our inception, from when we were born, Jesus came in our place, lived a perfect life and died for our sins. This is the saving grace of God. And, I, you know, it was just so good to me on last Sunday. I was like, there's no way that I can just preach on this. You know, we had two services. They were quick services for Easter. And I didn't really get to unpack this thing like I want to. And, you know, it's inexhaustible. There's so much uh, in richness and depth to this topic of grace. But uh, I want to I wanna just talk about uh, the saving grace of God a little bit more because I believe that it's imperative for us to be able to understand and have this knowledge. And you're wondering, you're saying, what does that whole, you know, example about the computer turning off and then turning back on and all this stuff, and what does that have to do with saving grace? Well, as you can tell, this is, this is exactly where it's at. There is, it is a powerful thing to know that you have saved your document or your project or whatever it is that you have worked on 
prior to your computer shutting off. Even if it shuts off in an unexpected fashion, even if you turn the computer off or whatever the case may be, or if it crashed, or like, you know, some of these devices, they like to do random updates or whatever the case is. Whatever the reason is that the computer has turned off, there is confidence. There is assurance that happens when it is that you have saved the device. Now, when we're talking about saving grace, we need to understand, you know, that saving grace is, here it is. I want to give you point number one. Saving grace comes with assurance. Come on, online host, I want you to help me in the chat. Uh, for those who are watching, go ahead and put that in there. Saving grace comes with assurance. It comes with assurance. You can be sure when you are saved, when you have received the saving grace of God, when you have become a recipient of salvation, you can be assured, you can be sure that you are going to go to heaven. You can know now at this point that you, that no matter what happens, if you die, God forbid, especially in a time with such uncertainty, with all the craziness thing, craziness that's happening with COVID and, you know, and all the other pandemics <laughs> that we are facing in life, you know, you can have an assurance right now that no matter what happens, you don't have to fear because if you are saved when the computer of your life shuts off, Oh, that got good to me right there. You can know that when it turns back on, that you are in right standing with God. Come on, somebody. That's some good news. Saving grace comes with assurance. Yo, when I was growing up, we used to sing a lot of songs, many of them that I had no clue what they meant, but it's not till you, you know, you get saved from hell, not till you actually have a relationship with God that you understand the magnitude of the lyrics that you and I are singing. Song says, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a, I'm not going to go up there. Foretaste of glory divine. Come on. Heir of salvation purchased by God. Born of his spirit, washing his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my savior all the day long. But it says, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. That's what's supposed to happen. Salvation is not supposed to bring you to a place of insecurity. It's not a guessing game. It's not like, oh man, I got saved today and I messed up. And then now I'm not saved anymore. It's not an on and off switch. It's not something uh, that you change like draws or something. You know, that's oftentimes the way that we talk about when we think about salvation. You know, you ask a lot of Christians, are you saved? And they're like, uh, I'm not sure. You know, I, I, I got to check today, you know, because I'm just not sure. What do you mean you're not sure? Right? Like that's not what that's that's an oxymoron as it pertains to your perspective and our perspective of salvation. Jesus did all that he did and went through all that he did so that not so that your salvation could be a guessing game, but so that you could have assurance. Oh my, somebody in the chat ought to put so that I could be sure, so that I could be sure. How on earth as a Christian, I want you to hear me, are you and I running around inviting people to come and follow a savior and experience what we have when we're not even sure if we got it? How are you and I inviting people to experience something that we're not even sure if we have? And this is the danger when it comes to not having an assurance. You and I have to realize that saving grace comes with an assurance. And this is the thing. A lot of people, we think that we are saved by grace. But then even after we receive this grace, our focus then now gets on uh, to works, on to works, on to us focusing on what I need to do to like pay God back. And this is why many of us, we are not sure about our salvation. You're not sure. Like you, you know, you repeated the cute prayer on Sunday when we we're getting ready to lead uh, in a prayer here at the end of this message, encouraging you to trust in Christ and all of that. And you go through all of these things. And some of you, you did that and you made this decision, you know, decades ago, but you're still now decades after walking after Jesus, you are not 
sure about your salvation. You and I need to get to the place where, and it's because of works. Remember, he says, for by grace, there it is. Remember God's work, on God's unmerited or undeserved work on my behalf. For by God's work are you saved through faith, not of your works. Just in case you could boast, because you have the flip. There's some people who are like, man, I have no assurance. And then there are other people who are confident, not in Christ's work, not in God's grace, but they boast because they think that they have done it. They are, you know, the size of their hat, right? Or the the, the cleanly living that they do or the, you know, and it's like, how, how many good deeds are good enough for you to feel assured that you have earned your salvation? Aside from the fact that God has made it clear that this is impossible and that righteousness is insatiable. You cannot fulfill righteousness and the requirements of... Oh, I just... This stuff get me excited. You cannot fulfill righteousness. The, the demand of righteousness on your life to please God in and of yourself. This is why God himself had to come to earth and put on flesh and swear by himself, the Bible says, that he was going to bring to pass the promise of living perfect and dying in your place and rising from death with all power. This is why none of us was a part of that plan. So we can't boast. So you can't be to the place. We shouldn't be to the place where we're second guessing. And we also should not be to the place where we are confident in ourselves because there's nothing that we could do that could earn us our salvation. But it is supposed to come with assurance. It's not one of them relationships. You know, when people are in relationships and you never know whether or not you're, you lo- the person loves you. You never know whether or not you're like actually in their good graces. No, no, no. But from the time you put your trust and your faith in Jesus, you can have assurance. Let me give you this stuff here, man. The text that we read, firstly, I want you to note this. The text, the text makes it clear. And in fact, you know what? Even before I go there, First John chapter 5, rather. Uh, what book did I say? 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. The Bible says, here it is, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may guess. Come on, did he say you may guess? No, no, no. He says that you may know that you have eternal life. Oh my, I love it. He says, I write these things. This is the Apostle John. He's saying, I'm writing these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Uh, He says that you may know. There's that word, know. He wants them to whom he is writing to have assurance through their belief uh, in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Son of God, which is Jesus, that they have eternal life. Come on, somebody. That's some exciting stuff. I love this. This is something that we are to have assurance in regards to. Not only this, I love I love this concept because when you get saved, when you get saved you, and you put trust in the gospel, when you give your life to Christ, like some of you were believing are going to do on today, you receive the Holy Spirit. Come on. And this is a beautiful thing because we often hear about the Holy Ghost and we think about catching the Holy Ghost. Like we're talking about him coming on us like it's a cold or something like you catch him or whatever. No, this is not the perspective. And I understand the context and what it means, you know, what people mean that to mean. But really, as it pertains to scripture, you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe the gospel, when you put trust in Jesus. The Father draws you, as John 6, 44 says, none can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and then when the as the father draws you he gives you the holy spirit i want you to look at this ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 and i'm giving you some life-giving text that you ought to grab that you ought to put into your arsenal to be able to guard watch this guard yourself here it is in him speaking of jesus you uh you also when you heard the word of truth, what's the word of truth? 
the gospel of your salvation. So when you hear the good news about Jesus, the death, remember last week we talked about what the gospel was in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I outlined it there for you. The apostle Paul, he's abundantly clear. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1 and onward. He says, the gospel is that Jesus came, that he died, that he rose from death with, he was buried and that he rose from death with all power. That's the good news because now that means for us that he died in our place and that if we put our trust and faith in him, that we can have this eternal life. We can have, that's the saving grace of God on our behalf. One more time, somebody say the saving grace. Come on, I want when you sing of amazing grace that you are, you are, that saved a wretch like me, you're able to sing it with a different understanding and meaning. But notice he says that when you believe the gospel of your salvation, we're back at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, and believed in him, when you believed in him, they say when you got perfect, when you started getting your works right and everything was to get, no, 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 he says when you believed in him. You were sealed, my, my, mind with the promised Holy Spirit. I love it. See, there it is. Did it say when you spoke in tongues, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit? No, it says when you believed, when you believed. So the, the, the giving of the Holy Spirit, the initial connection with the Holy Spirit happens upon belief. There are a lot of organizations that tell you it's when you start living right or when you, again, when you speak in tongues. And there's nothing wrong with speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues. There are many in our church that do. There are many of you who are watching that do. But we have to get rid of the erroneous teaching that people only have an encounter with the Holy Spirit when they speak in tongues, which is just one way the Holy Spirit manifests. But it is not the initial way that the Holy Spirit connects with the believer. And tongues is not the is not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> A lot of times people teach tongues as if tongues is the Holy Ghost. No, it's not the Holy. Spirit is a part of the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so and we're going to see this. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When, you're, when you believe, see, we're breaking down the text. Now, number verse 14, who is the guarantee? Oh, who else loves that word right there? The guarantee of our inheritance. Until we acquire possession of it. What inheritance is he talking about? The inheritance he's talking about is the salvation that we've been speaking about. The saving grace of God. That you are saved from death. You are saved from hell. That when you die, you get to be with Jesus. Or when Jesus returns, you get to be with Jesus forever. You know, in, in the new heaven, new earth. This is, this is the future of the believer. This is the future of the one who has put trust trust and faith in Christ. And he says that he gives us the Holy Spirit in us, watch this, as a guarantee of our inheritance. Oh, I just love it. It's a guarantee. It's it, the Holy Spirit is in us to prove and to say you are God's and you will be with God. And so the re this is this is a seal. Come on. Somebody in the chat just put the Holy Ghost is a seal. Come on. The Holy Ghost is a seal. It's like it's God's stamp to say you are mine. You are mine. And it's a guarantee. So this is why I'm saying saving grace comes with assurance. It comes with assurance. It's not, you're not guessing. It's not a guessing game. If you have trusted Christ, you can know, you can know that you have eternal life. I love it. And before I even go further, I want to look at the text. So, you know, John chapter 10, verse 28 and 29, notice what I, it kind of goes in line with what I was mentioning earlier. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. In other words, this is speaking about God's efficacy as it pertains to saving people, to drawing people, to calling people to himself. Those who he is calling to himself, those who he is drawing to himself, they will hear him when the gospel is preached. Because faith comes by hearing, uh, Romans 10, 17 says, and hearing by the word of Christ or the word of God, which is the gospel, the good news about Jesus. When the gospel is declared, those who Jesus is drawing or the Father is drawing to himself, they hear his voice. They hear his voice. He knows them and they follow him. So when the gospel is clear, that's why many of you, you are here watching right now because the Father is drawing you. 
Oh my, you think that somebody just shared a, a, what, a link with you via WhatsApp or, you know, whatever the case is, the Father is drawing you. You're wondering, you're like, how did I even happen upon this? It might have popped up in an ad or something of this nature. And you're like, man, what am I doing here? The Father is drawing and he says that his sheep will hear his voice. Oh, this beautiful news about Jesus and his death and his burial and his resurrection and his great love for you that's unconditional and the assurance that you can have in putting trust and faith in him and what he has done as opposed to your works and what you think you can do for him says they follow him and I give them eternal life I need somebody to go ahead and put that in the chat. Go ahead and put eternal life. Come on, eternal life. I love it because when we're talking about having blessed assurance, when we're talking about saving grace coming with assurance and being sealed with the Holy Spirit, I want you to understand, even as it pertains to the type of life, he says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. They will never perish. The word eternal there uh in the greek the word eternal because remember uh for those who and for those who are new to this thing uh the bible is written in greek hebrew and aramaic and there in the new testament it's especially in greek and aramaic and we find here that uh the word eternal is ionios ionios everybody say ionios the word ionios and it means without end never to cease everlasting this is this is the type of life this is the type of life he's talking about he even goes in the the passage itself in john 10 28 and 29 in verse 28 he says i give them eternal life and they will never perish so this is this is to show you once you have the life that he's talking about once he gives it to his sheep if you you are a sheep if you hear his voice and you follow him so you're like who is his sheep are you hearing him? Do you Are you following him? Are you hearing this good news? Is it doing something in your soul? Uh, if you have already been a believer, and this is why it's even relevant to believers because there are many of you, you are walking around as a Christian without assurance. You can, I mean, this is horrid. Not only because you shouldn't be out there going and ministering to people and inviting them to something that you don't have assurance about, but for yourself, Jesus died for you and gave you salvation, not so you could go through your life with a guess, but so you could really, you could enjoy and embrace every aspect of this saving grace uh, and this assurance that he has died to give you. But he says, you'll never perish. So even in terms of the definition of eternal, without end, never ceasing, aside from the fact that he defines it there in the text, you know, because there are people who are like, man, what do you mean? Like I could get this thing and then it will stop, you know, and if I mess up, then I'm, you know, then it's over or whatever the case is. Salvation is not an on and off switch. Eternal life is, he says he gave you eternal life, not conditional life. In fact, somebody in the chat, you ought to go ahead and put in the chat, it's eternal, not conditional. It's eternal, not conditional. He didn't give you conditional life. He gave you eternal life. If it stops, was it eternal? Man, I'm about to just lose my mind here in this living room. If it stops, was it eternal? By definition, something that's eternal does not stop. So if it stops, it couldn't have been eternal. Again, talking about the blessed assurance that we have, the Ionios, the eternal life that we have. This is a powerful thing. I want you to understand this because when we're talking about eternal life, you know, we need to understand that not only do we have uh, saving, not only does saving grace come with assurance, but consequently, if I can continue to break it down, number two for you, here it is. I need you to help me, online host and those who are watching, go ahead and put this in the chat. Saving grace comes with eternal security so because he says he gives his sheep eternal life and they'll never perish i want you to understand that this is an eternal type of a promise it's eternal 
security. I'm going to show you in a moment why where the word security comes from uh, because I want you to get this. I want you to understand that, you know, because some of us, we think God saved you. You got saving grace, but now it's Christ. Now it's your responsibility to make the payments. You know how, you know, uh, grandma and them might have helped you to scrape the money together uh, to be able to put, you know, a down payment on a home or to put a down payment, you know, pay for a vehicle. But now the monthly payments, uh, you're going to have to pay them for yourself to up. No, God does not is not looking for you to uh, to make payments on your salvation. He's not looking for you. And then if you if you mess up and if you miss a payment, <laughs> then your 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 salvation gets repoed. That's not the way that it works, fam. He 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 did not do all of that for your salvation to get reported for you to have to make payments for you to have to come back now and do a whole bunch of stuff in order to preserve it. It comes with eternal security. One more time. Somebody say eternal security. I'm almost done. I want you to look at this text. This is so powerful. What this is why it's one of my favorite passages. Here he goes after he says they will never perish and watch this and no one somebody say no one and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Hey, hey Hey, no one will snatch them out of, pick it, pick it. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So Jesus says, I'll give them eternal life. And not only is he going to give them eternal life and they will never perish. But then now he says, I'm also going to be the guardian. Oh, I'm about to lose my mind in this sanctified living room. He says, I'm also going to guard it. There is security. I'm going to secure my investment. Hey, oh, glory. The, 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 the Holy Ghost that I put in them is a guarantee. It's a seal. It's a guarantee. And he says, not just am I going to uh, put them in a position where I'm giving them something that they're going to have to maintain, but not only am I going to give it to them, I'm going to secure it. Oh my, I'm going to make sure that no person, because some of y'all think that people can steal your salvation. Some of y'all think that the devil can steal your salvation, but how many of you know that Jesus didn't come and hang and bleed and die and get on a cross for the devil to steal your salvation. Oh my, I'm about to lose it in here. I want you to grab this. He says that no one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. And look at verse 29. Look at verse 29. I'm in the text. I'm in the text. I want you to peep this and grab this and understand. He says, not only will no one snatch them out of my hand, but watch this. My father who has given to me, because remember it's the father who draws, the father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand look at that double security you know that you know those double bolt locks i mean man if you live in certain places you know exactly what i'm talking about uh you got you got all sorts of locks on the door you open when people come to the door you just loose off uh one lock and you open it but in order to actually open the door you know what has to happen from the inside you got to close it back Come on, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You gotta take out all take off all sorts of extra locks, <laughs> sliding and chains and all this stuff, whatever, to make sure that the people are able that you're able to open the door for people to get in. And so this is the type of security. It's double security. You are in the son's hand, you are in the father's hand. Come on, somebody. And then he ends up saying, The father and I am are one, and that our efforts are united. We are keeping so you don't just have assurance, but you also have security. I love this. And so here it is. When people are asking the question like, you know, can I lose my salvation? That's the wrong question. First of all, you know, the fact is it's not about can you lose your salvation? It's about can Jesus lose a Christian? Oh, come on, you ought to have a praise. Can Jesus lose a Christian? Can the Father lose a Christian? He says, He says that I give them eternal life. They will never perish. And you're so many of us, even these organizations, these churches that are focused so much on their efforts and on their works and what they are to do and how holy they are to be. When salvation is not by works, but by it's by the saving grace of God. The focus and the focal point should not 
not be on what you can do or what you can do to lose or gain or whatever. It should be on what Jesus has done and his ability to secure his investment. Oh my, Jesus is secure in the bag. Oh my, come on, somebody, somebody ought to put in the chat, God's got the bag, God's got the bag, God is securing the bag, he's saying, I went through all of that, not for your salvation to be based on you, but I went through all of that so your salvation could be still based on me, not just the acquisition, not just the acquiring of it, but also the securing of it, come on somebody, I've got double security on it, I love you so much, I I got this thing bad for you so much that I'm going to do everything to make sure that I'm not just giving it to you, but I want to make sure that you keep it. You ought to put those hands together and put some clapping ham emojis in the chat. You ought to get excited about the fact that God is not just saving you, but he's a keeper. Oh my. Somebody ought to go ahead and just put in the chat. He's a keeper. He's a keeper. He's a keeper. Come on, somebody. He is not a God that is fickle or that will leave you just because you messed up great is his faithfulness he already took into account the fact that you and I were going to mess up that we were going to jack up no for those who are wondering oh so is grace a license to sin is grace a license so you mean I'm saved and I can just go out and do whatever the fact that you're even thinking that way in the first place means that you may not have even had an encounter come on somebody with the life transforming eternal life of God because if you have truly had an eternal life encounter with God, it breeds gratitude. Come on, somebody. Oh, I'm not perfect. I wonder if I have a witness. I'm not perfect. Uh, But now that I have received eternal life, there is some fruit that comes out of my life. And every single day with Jesus grows sweeter than the day before. And yes, I might not have it all together, but he is transforming me. He is working me out. There's some stuff in my life uh, that he is continuing to form into fashion and to work out as I walk with him. So no, it's not a license to sin. No, it's not a license to say I'm just going to live like hell and go to heaven. Come on, because I'm on my way there because of his saving grace and not because of my words. I am living a life of praise. Come on, I'm not living a life that is attempting to pay for what he's done. Come on, I'm living a life of praise because I'm saying thank you to him with every single part of my being. I wonder if it's anybody that's watching right now that can just stop and give him some glory and give him some praise because you're saying my life is a life that praises him because he is so good glory to God here's some scripture for you so the question is can Jesus lose a Christian can Jesus lose a Christian not about can I lose my salvation he didn't pro he didn't tell me first of all he gave me eternal life and he gave me eternal life and he also has given us security I love it because not only does he put the Holy Spirit in us as a guarantee, but also the text makes it clear, if you will, I I just love it, I love it, Uh, in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, makes it clear and says that Jesus is the author, and watch this, not just the author, but the finisher. My God, he is the finisher. He is the completer of our faith. He is the perfecter of our faith. So he didn't just start this thing with me, but he is a God who finishes. He's a God who's going to see it to completion. My love, I love it. I love it. Uh, What the apostle Paul says, write this down in Philippians chapter one, verse six. And I want you to see this in a different light. Says the apostle Paul says, and I am sure of this. He tells the church at Philippi that he who has begun a good work in you. He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. At the day of Jesus Christ. At the day of Jesus Christ is referring to when it is that Christ returns upon his return. You know, that he's saying that he is confident that Jesus who started the work in him, remember Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the author, that that he is faithful to bring it to completion. He is going to finish that work at the day of Jesus Christ. So God is the one, God is the one that is faithful to bring it to pass. You and I cannot be faithful enough to guard and keep our salvation. Man, there are certain things. Let me tell you this, and I'm getting ready to close here. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter six as I get ready to close. But there are certain things that I will not trust. (laughs) 
that I will not trust my children with. I am telling you, there's certain things I will not. I don't care how much they say they can do it. I don't care how much they say they are capable of being able to handle it or manage it or whatever. I love them and I think that they're great and they are skilled, but there are some things that I would not trust them with or I would not put them in the position to have to be responsible for the weight that is attached to certain things. Oh my. Uh, so there are certain things that they, I can trust them with to a certain level, but it's not going to, it's going to be that far and no further. And that's the way that it is with our salvation. Our God could never trust us with our salvation. This is why he had to come. I preached the gospel like 17 times through this message already, but I want to say this is why he went through all that he did to come and die for our sins. This is why he went through it and he would not have gone through all of that to then leave the fulfillment of this whole thing up to you and I and ours. He is not going to trust us with something that has such great weight. I'm so grateful. Anybody just can take a moment one more time and give the Lord praise. Hey, come on. If you haven't praised him yet, you have to open up your mouth in your living room and shout hallelujah. Come on. Because he is a faithful God. I love it. I love it. And I'm closing, but I want you want to give you point number three. Uh, I love this. Not only does salvation come with assurance and not only does saving grace come with eternal security, but here it is. The last one, and I love it, is, and you're going to need this. You're going to need this. Uh, saving grace comes with salvific armor. Come on. Saving grace comes with salvific armor. What are you talking about? Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, if you were obedient and you went there, uh, let's go ahead and jump in. Ephesians 6, and I want to read this from verse 10 through 17. The Apostle Paul says, finally, somebody say finally. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Then he says, put on the whole armor. Somebody say the whole armor, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So we're armoring up so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers. Oh, I don't have time to break it down. Over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. I wish I could jump in, but I don't have the time. Therefore, here he says it again, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. When evil comes your way, you can withstand when you're armored up. Here it is. And having done all to stand firm, verse 14, stand therefore, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. So truthfulness, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So the gospel quickens your feet to be able to go and to be able to share the gospel. And watch this. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. See, these are things that we usually talk about that are more common. With which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So you can extinguish flaming darts with the shield of faith. But watch this one. This is one that we often overlook. But I think is an integral piece of this armor. And it's actually at the top. Here it is. Take the helmet of salvation. Oh, somebody ought to go ahead in the chat and put the helmet of salvation. Come on, list it out there for me. Are you with me? What I'm talking about, saving grace comes with salvific armor. Why would he tell you to put on the helmet of salvation? Why is it on your head? Why? Come on, somebody. Because how many of you know that the, the Lord knows that when we're going through this life, come on, that we have to be able to go through this life having an assurance of salvation. 
that our minds need to be guarded because Satan, when we mess up, when we jack up, when there are things that happen, will send darts to try and tell you, see, you know you weren't saved. See, look at what you did and what you said and how you responded and you acted. Or look at this, look at that. And will try to oftentimes take your focus off of Christ and what he did to start getting you to focus on what you're doing in self-righteousness or what it is that you have not done that puts you in a place of disqualification and so you and I we gotta get to the place where we have our minds guarded come on where you remember this is why I say the gospel is not just for our salvation but it's also for our sanctification it's something that we ought to keep at the forefront of our minds that Jesus saved me Jesus loves me he's given me saving grace come on somebody which has secured my future and not only has it secured my future future but it also guards my mind against self-righteousness it guards my mind against uh being uh, uh, being disqualified it also guards my mind against uh pharisees and people that come to try and point out your errors and try to stone you and try to tell you look at this and all of that and whatever the case may be when they come pointing fingers you just are able to touch your head and say i got the helmet of salvation some of y'all when people come and they say crazy stuff to you you ought to just grab your head and just remind yourself come on just secure your helmet come on you ought to secure your helmet to just remind yourself and they're looking at you crazy like why are you touching your head you got lice you're like no I'm touching my head just to make sure that my helmet is intact come on somebody because no I am not resting on my righteousness I'm not resting come on on uh, the, the righteousness of, of other people I'm not red resting on the righteousness or the the fact that I am good enough or I'm not good enough. Come on. I'm resting on the fact that he was good enough. Come on. And because Jesus was good enough and Jesus came and he did all that he did for me. I can have blessed assurance. I can have eternal security. And guess what? I have this armor as a reminder of my future and the goodness of God. You ought to get to the place right there in your living room. And for those of you who are saved, come on. You ought to just touch your head and just make sure your helmet is intact. Come on, somebody. Just check and make sure that armor is there. Come on. And you and I, we got to get to the place where no matter what people say, no matter what it looks like, you ought to look in the mirror. And instead of looking in the mirror and talking yourself down, you ought to check your salvific armor. Just go in the mirror and just touch your head just to remind yourself it's not any goodness of my own. Come on, somebody. I couldn't do it. I couldn't earn it. I couldn't make it up. I couldn't do enough to be able to get it but when I was a sinner deep in sin far from a peaceful shore very deeply stained within sinking to rise no more the saving grace of God was made manifest in the person of Jesus Christ who was born of a virgin come on somebody very God and very man born of a virgin came into this earth he saw me and he said down the corridors of time and he says I gotta live right and even though I, he was tempted Hebrews chapter 4 says by every point he was yet without sin because he knew that you and I would be unable to do it this is where my righteousness lies my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness come on him singers I wonder if I got anybody I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus name on Christ the solid rock I stand all of the ground in sinking sand. My righteousness is sinking sand. My grandmama's righteousness is sinking sand. Oh, my mama and my dad and everybody else's righteousness is sinking sand. There is no other righteousness. Come on, somebody that deserves my trust or my faith than the righteousness that comes uh, by God from God through Jesus Christ, who is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but by Him. And so today, I call you out of your works. I call you out of focusing on what you think you can do to be able to earn the approval of God. I call you out of being a Christian, living in a place where you are insecure about your salvation. I call you out of witnessing and calling people to Christ 
when you yourself don't have security for yourself. And so today, if you have never put trust in Christ, if you have never rested in Him, even some of you that thought, you know what, you were saved and you have this conditional promise stuff that you've trusted in, and today you're like, you know what, man, I need to really get saved today. I need to trust in Christ's works, not Jesus plus my works. That don't equal salvation. That's a failed attempt at self-righteousness. Salvation is through, by grace, the work of God on our behalf. Our trusting fully in His work. And so today I even feel like some of y'all are going to be compelled to be baptized as we've been baptizing several people every week we're baptizing people and people are making decisions to follow christ all the way and, and even be baptized and some of you today i believe you're going to trust christ and you're going all the way not because you're going in the water is going to earn you some brownie points with jesus or get you saved but you're saying you know what i'm identifying with what jesus has already done for me I'm getting baptized because I'm I'm leaving my old life behind. I'm identifying with his death because his death was greater than my death. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming up out the water representing that I'm putting trust in his resurrection because his resurrection is, is greater than anything that I could ever do. And, and I'm putting my trust fully in him. And so in this moment, if you have never given your life to Christ, I want to invite you to put your trust and faith in Jesus, to give your life to him. If you have run away from him, you know, if you have run away from him and you want to come back home today, I want to invite you to be able to come back home and to put your trust in Jesus again. Recommit your life to him. Does that mean that you lost your eternal life? Does that mean that you you went away and, you know, and, and Jesus forgot about you? No. Even though you ran away from him, he hasn't run away from you. His arms are open wide. In fact, even David says, he, if he made his bed in hell, behold, the Lord is there. He is, he, you know, and obviously he was speaking figuratively, but he's saying that no matter when you are Christ, when you are God's, no matter where you run, you know, God's arms are open wide and he still loves you and he is, he is there to receive you. And so I'm getting ready to lead a prayer of commitment in this moment. And it doesn't matter, doesn't matter what you have done. It's not about your perfection. Jesus died for that. You fill in the blank. Whatever you think is too bad or too horrible for you to come to Christ. Jesus died for that. Jesus even died for your self-righteousness. For those of you who have been thinking you can earn your salvation. He died for that too. And you can come to him and you can trust in him fully today. Oh, I feel I, I, I see some people, some churchgoers getting saved after watching this. I just see a churchgoers repenting and putting trust in Christ. You've been going you thought your church going was going to save you. You've been putting trust in your church going or in the, the dress code you've been observing based on the denomination you're a part of or whatever. And today you're like, you know what? I, I realize that has nothing to do with it. And today, Jesus even died for that, for your self-righteousness. And you can come to him today. Whether it's the first time or you're coming back home, you're, 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 you're coming back home after you may have run away or whatever the case is, I encourage you to put your trust in Christ. We're going to pray this prayer. And so if that person is you, right where you are, where you're watching, you know, I encourage you on the count of three, we're going to pop that hand up. If you're like, that's me. I want to trust Christ. I want to give my life to him. I want to put my trust in him for the first time. Or I want to come back to him. I want to do this. Uh, if that person is you, on the count of three, I want you to pop your hand up. If you are brave enough in the chat, I would love if you could even pop your hand up. Put a hand up emoji in the chat so we can see who you are. So that the, the online host and our team can see you. And we would love to even connect with you. And so here we go on the count of three. If that person is you, whether you're putting it in the chat or going ahead and putting their hand up in your living room, I want you to pop that hand up. Here we go. One, two, three. Pop that hand up. Come on where you are. You're saying today I'm, I'm trusting Jesus. I'm responding to this good news that I'm hearing today. And I'm giving my life to him, putting my work, my trust in him fully. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, listen, I want us to pray this prayer. I want you to pray it out loud where you are. This prayer is not what saves. Jesus saves, right? However, this prayer is a line in the sand. We're responding out loud. We're confessing Jesus is Lord. And so even if you are already a Christian, why don't you go ahead and you pray this prayer out loud as well in support of those 
who are making this decision today for Christ for the first time and as an affirmation of the faith that you already have. And so we say, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for living perfect on my behalf, dying for my sins and for rising from death with all power. Come into my heart, make me new and be with me now forevermore be the lord of my life forgive me of my sins and i thank you for doing it right now in jesus name amen come on somebody go ahead and give the lord praise right where you are we are celebrating come on let's celebrate those who have made decisions for christ on today glory to jesus